Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God, which we will consider this Christmas Eve, is recorded in our Gospel reading, a continuation of Luke chapter 2. There we read at verse 15 in Jesus' name. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. These are the words. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed Christmas Eve worshipers, one summer back in college many years ago, I worked at a big office in downtown Colorado Springs. And among my fellow employees was a young man whose favorite pastime was throwing frisbees. In fact, one holiday weekend, this man drove from Colorado Springs to Minneapolis to participate in some sort of frisbee-throwing tournament. 18 hours, one way, across eastern Colorado, in Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, all that way just to play with a Frisbee. That goes to show that if people are interested in something, devoted to something, they will go to great lengths, travel great distances in order to participate. Now, we don't know how far the shepherds traveled to see baby Jesus on the night of his birth, But after hearing the angel's message and after seeing the sky filled with an enormous choir of angels all singing praise and honor to the newborn Savior, no distance would have seemed too far. At any rate, there does not seem to have been a lot of discussion about it. They simply said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem to see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. We will consider their words as our theme this Christmas Eve. Let us go to Bethlehem. We'll think about these two questions. First, who goes to Bethlehem? And second, what do they see there? That night as the shepherds were watching over their flocks out in the open fields, something very startling, something frightening occurred. Luke tells us, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. We don't normally associate the feeling of terror with Christmas Eve. After all, this is one of the cozier events on the calendar. This evening is marked with the singing of familiar hymns in the company of dear friends and family, all against the background of warm lights and colorful decorations. But in the dark emptiness of the Judean countryside, fear dominated. Why is that? Certainly the sudden manifestation or appearance of a spirit being would be considered eerie and alarming. But there was a deeper reason for their fear. 
the shepherds right then found themselves in the immediate presence of something very holy. And God's own glory was shining around them. There are other examples from the Holy Bible of the fear that is generated by such a divine visit. For example, when God approached Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden after their act of disobedience, hearing it, they plunged into the nearest shrubbery in order to hide themselves from him. So also when God appeared in all of his glory on Mount Sinai, the people of Israel begged Moses to act as their mediator, as their go-between, the power and majesty pouring forth from the top of the mountain was just too much for them to bear. So you and I also, I believe, would have been terrified if we had stood among the shepherds out there in the fields that night. God's holiness and his glory are too much for us. And at that moment, our failure at obeying him and our sin and our guilt would all be on display and exposed. We would be alarmed at the prospect of facing God's just anger. But something helped the shepherds that night. The message the angel spoke calmed and comforted them. The angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born... To you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so we say that those who go to Bethlehem are those who are frightened by the awareness of their own sin, their awareness of God's perfect holiness. But they go also trusting that the baby born there came to be their Savior. The shepherds that night didn't go to Bethlehem as doubtful skeptics, but as believers. They didn't go there to see if something interesting happened. They went because they believed it had. So you and I also, through our lives, travel on faith. We don't need to speculate, though, about what happened in Bethlehem those many centuries ago. God has made it known to us in his word. And of that word, St. Peter later wrote, you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So we go to Bethlehem, guided there by the word which tells us that the newborn lying in the manger is our Savior. But what do we see there? If we had traveled with the shepherds that night, what would we have looked at? Given that the baby is the only begotten Son of God himself, we might expect to see a comfortable, well-lit, sanitized delivery room filled with experienced nurses and physicians, each monitoring minute by minute, the condition of the mother and the child. But of course, we would have seen something else altogether. For our Lord was born in 
very humble surroundings, literally born in a barn. And his first cradle was a feed box for the animals. His mother and his foster father, Joseph, were not wealthy or socially prominent people, so they didn't have the kind of money it might have taken to dislodge someone else from a room in the nearby inn. If we would be startled to see that our Lord's birthing suite was a barn, then we also might be surprised to know that his entire life was lived and was marked by this lowliness and poverty. The baby in the manger later told a prospective follower, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. If we would expect to see Jesus Christ during his ministry welcomed by the masses, treated like a visiting royalty, again we'll be shocked to see him scorned and mocked and rejected and abused. St. John wrote, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. In going to Bethlehem to see our infant Lord, we would see there a baby who would grow up one day to be cursed and spit upon, to be beaten, crowned with thorns, and crucified. Yet in looking at all of that, we still would see with the shepherds the one true God who loves us so much that he would willingly abandon his throne of glory in heaven in order to come here, assuming our human flesh, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for sinners. For Jesus placed himself under God's law as our substitute, that same law which condemns us. And he flawlessly obeyed it, and then at the day appointed by God, offered up his own perfect sinless life to pay completely and eternally the full debt of our sinful lives. St. Paul wrote, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Let us go to Bethlehem. Let us go there by hearing and believing his gospel. For in that good news Jesus brings us comfort for all of our fears. He brings to us trust for all of our doubts. In the gospel Bethlehem actually comes to us and shows us the Son of God who was born and lived and died for our salvation. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen.